everybody. This is Maria Pesson, founder of For Women Over 50, a podcast that talks with women just like you and I who are doing extraordinary things over the age of 50. And today I am very fortunate to have Leslie Jane Seymour, who has an incredible background in publishing. Um, she has been the editor-in-chief of several high-level magazines and is doing really um, special things right now. So let me introduce you. Leslie, I'm glad to have you here. I'm excited to have you here. I know you years before you and I personally met because mm -hmm. I followed your career and your career is pretty intense. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about you and, and your background. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, I feel like you guys are the youngsters if you're in your 50s. I just turned 64, so it's well, like... Well, we have people even in their kids. 80s and, you know, old. Okay. So we have a very, very group of women. Good. Well, great. You know, I started out in publishing. Um, I knew I wanted to be a writer, so that was my whole modus operandi in life. Um, didn't know how I was going to make that happen. I think I thought I was going to be a novelist is what I thought because I read a lot of novels growing up and I thought that was the thing to do. And um, Me too. I love to read. So I thought I'd be a writer. Yeah. Then I found yeah. I didn't write. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, oh, I was not a good writer. Well, that's a problem. Okay. Yeah. I was a good reader, but not a good, good reader. Writer. Well, there are jobs for good readers too. So I... Um, I went to college originally in science, thinking I was going to do marine biology because that was what my parents, they didn't, they didn't want me to do anything that wasn't science oriented. My dad was a doctor and he thought that you would die in a garret somewhere if you were a writer. <laughs> so um, I went to college and was looking to be in marine biology, which I loved. Got there and realized I really didn't have the science um, and chemistry background that some of the kids there, mostly boys, had, because um, I'd gone to a women's school that was really focused on womenly things like writing and English and all that. And um, so by junior year, I bailed out. I bailed out of science and I moved over to English and um, just said, you know, I'll figure it out from there. And um, I just had always been very interested in fashion. I loved fashion magazines. I read 17 and all the teen books. I grew up on those. I had a girlfriend who was, we were both obsessed with the teen magazines. We would do everything they said to do, decoupage, lunch boxes, wearing paper dresses. I remember dresses. that. I had remember that? Did you do that? I had made one too. <laughs> oh, we went through that. page by page. Whatever they said to do at 17, we did it all. And so when um, I was at Duke and the, um, they had a fellowship for Nina Hyde, who was the, happened to be the fashion editor at the Washington Post. And um, I went and listened to her a couple times. And then I talked to her and said, I, you know, look, I don't know anything about fashion, but I love it. And I want to be a writer. What could I do with that? And she hooked me up with the people at Women's Wear Daily at the time, which was the, the rag sheet for the fashion industry. And um, I went up to Bible. meet with them. Still is. Yeah, is it still? Or is, no, and there's business of fashion now. Business of fashion, right. 
um, they, I was so bizarre when I look back, um, they actually hired me to string for them while I was in college. So I wrote for them. Well, what does that mean, string for them? You'd be a freelance writer. Okay. And so I was writing for them while I was finishing up college. And then I got on a plane and went to work for them the day after uh, graduation. And they threw me into the fashion world. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was a good listener. You Had the time on my Bobby life. Queen. Ah, uh, yeah, you know Bobby? Yeah. Uh, I met her, but I don't really know her. Yeah. But she was, she's who I remember as the, their 100 years. Uh-huh. Oh, she stayed forever. There were a lot of people who, I swear to God, I went off and did all these other things and people stayed for hundreds of years there. Uh, much like Vogue, people don't move from some of those places. Um, so I went there, was there for about two and a half years, and I went over to Harper's Bazaar. No, I went to the Daily News um, paper that Clay Felker opened for a year. Um, and then he closed it and there were like, you know, 40 of the best writers in New York out on the streets and nobody could find a job. And so I went into magazines unwillingly because I thought it would be really boring, but um, I needed to pay my bills. Went over to Harper's Bazaar, then Vogue called. I was there for nine years. Then I went and had babies and freelance for a while, went back to Glamour as their beauty director and then um, went over to YM as their editor-in-chief. YM was Old Young Miss. Do you remember Young Miss? Yes, it was a I team do remember book. that. And then went to um, Red Book, and then Mary Claire, and then more magazine as editor-in-chief. Well, and it was fabulous. Top magazines. Yeah, no, I did four. And um, literally by the last one, I was like, I can't do another magazine. <laughs> like. You, know, you must have some wardrobe. Yes, I did. Oh my God. When I moved down here, um, I sold off thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of handbags, shoes, and um, sample sale clothes <laughs> that I had gathered over the years that I was never going to use again in this life. I'm sitting here in my exercise gear because I've got to exercise today. I mean, our lives are so different, it makes me laugh. I mean, the stuff that I used to have to wear to work is hysterically funny. But that's what you did, you know, it was a costume. You had to keep up with the costumes. And, and you had uh, the whole face of makeup and your hair. Oh, I, the, the hours that I wasted. I wish that, you know, when people say to me, do you have any regrets? I'm like, the only regret I have is that I would, you're not, you're gonna, I'm, maybe, maybe you did this too. Every morning I got up and washed my hair, I blew it dry, and I put my makeup on every day. I would love, my only regret is I would like to have all those hours back. <laughs> what a waste. I mean, just, uh you, you felt good wearing it and looking. I did, but, oh, God, just think of that. Like, I think of the idea of having to do my hair every day because I have a lot of it. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm out of my mind. So anyway, now I luckily I have a fabulous hair person who taught me to just wash twice a week, and it's oh, fabulous. I do it every third day. Yeah. Sometimes every other. Wonderful. And when you can wean yourself from that need, and I exercise a lot, look, it's not a big deal. You still look great. It's all in your head. And um, just getting back those hours <laughs> I spent on my hair. <laughs>
So, but it was a crazy, crazy career, lots of fun. You know, I mean, I, you know, I used to call publishing, um, you know, it's Hollywood for non-actors. You got to do all the stuff that an actor would get to do, but you never had to go on stage and be petrified, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so crazy, crazy stuff. Oh, walk the red carpet, travel, you know, travel the world with Mrs. Obama, go to the White House. Um, you know, like, I mean, you say, you name it, I've done it. And, um, wow. you know, it, you know, just kind of crazy, crazy meet celebrities. Um, just like stuff that you would never get to do as a regular person, but because of the power of magazines in those days, um, it was theater, you know, it was a lot of theater and a lot of, I mean, you know, I look back and it's like, especially now that we're in the middle of the pandemic, I look back and I think, God, like, are those, was that a period in history that is behind us? It might well be. We might look back and say, those were the roaring 80s, you know? And they were the roaring 80s. Everything yeah. was over the top. I mean, yeah, it was over the top, but we didn't know it at the time, right? You know? I mean, we, we got our hair dyed and permed till it was like frizzy. Yeah, <laughs> you look at some of those pictures. Oh God, what were you thinking? The mix the, and the horrible big jewelry and the, oh. you know, we're all living the dynasty wardrobe, right? That's right. That's right. We and we all thought we were so hot. Yeah, we thought we were hot. And what's amazing is that when you think about the budgets that these people had to throw at stuff, I mean. You know, I would go on a, when I was doing the beauty editor at Glamour, they flew me to Monaco for a Karl Lagerfeld launch of a perfume. You know, it's like, it just, what? <laughs> you know, like, what? Oh, you did yes, what? You did a big job. You could really you know? back their business. I'm sure they really did want you to go out there. It probably did pay off for them, but still you look at it and you say like, oh my God, what were they doing? you know, when you look back today at those kind of crazy things. So it was a crazy, crazy life. Their um, impact in the world? Pardon me? Do you think magazines have lost their impact? That they're dead. Relevant? I got to tell you, I think they're dead. I mean, I don't even read any magazines anymore. I read The New Yorker, that's it. And I get some local magazines about preservation. I now live down in New Orleans. And so I'm very interested in them and their history and all that stuff but regular magazines no it's so i don't get, get them it's just somebody la had a subscription to InStyle here and it kept coming to the house for a couple of months and i would look at it and i was like what is this is it like a flyer about InStyle, or is it in style and i would have to like That's flip thin. it oh let I mean thin and poorly laid out tiny bad paper just really because I mean, yes it used to be such a beautiful i piece. know it's like i literally had to look at it and say what is this i didn't get it. i was like is this a magazine it was just heartbreaking 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 i could find you... whatever i want on the internet i don't need a magazine no anymore. well no one does that's what happened and it's way too expensive um you know and that's why i created covey club was covey was the virtual incarnation of more magazine when more closed the readers were angry 
and they closed the they closed that magazine. Yeah, me too. They closed the magazine because they didn't want older readers. Isn't that they didn't want they didn't, the whole premise of the magazine was that it was for older women. Well, you should have been around when I had the boss who said that I had to stop putting women 40 plus on the cover. He wanted to go younger. <laughs> oh that was God. really fun. Oh, that was Very really fun. That was really fun. And I was like, wait a minute. Do you realize that's like putting an anorexic on the Weight Watchers magazine? Like, what are you talking about? Like, that you can't do that. Like, what, this is the, you know, like, at the whole premise of the magazine is this no well we have the advertisers want younger people it's like well that's this you're gonna kill the you're magazine the wrong advertisers right it just anyway we survived we only lost about 12 percent of our readers as i tried to shuffle my way through that or get fired so that was really fun and um we actually survived it we weirdly enough um because the content of the magazine was so strong that when we de-emphasized age, we were already so well established that we were able to do that. Though some people were pissed off, but those are the kind of crazy corporate things you end up with, right? And it's that's like, one of the problems I have um, as a woman over 50, and I think, mm -hmm. and that's why I started this, because mm -hmm. people discriminate against women of a certain yep. age. They and do. They, there's a lot of ageism and they there feel is. like it's justified. Like it's the That's last right. bastion of um, yes. where you are against a group of people. And it's acceptable. You know, and it's acceptable. I mean, they make right. fun of women, comedians right. make fun of older women. Right. Um, I've been told uh, on an interview that they were looking for a younger person. They, they said that to your face. That's illegal. In my face. Yeah. And then she realized what she said and she backpedaled. And the funny thing right. was, she was my age. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. They're the worst. Yeah. The women our age are the worst because they're the one in the treehouse. And they don't want anybody to find them out. Right. And, um, I think you know. They think they're young and hip. I don't know right. what it is. I mean, this woman was still getting, like, you know, suntans in a suntan box and wow. destroying her skin i mean she just was like not tuned in but whatever but it's real though the the thing is people have to realize is that age discrimination is real it's not your imagination and um you know that's why i talk so much about reinvention reinvention to me is the antidote to all that and to you know i go around the country talking about how you need to have a reinvention plan in your back pocket at all times because it doesn't matter how much they love you. It, you know, I get all these people who are like, oh, I've been in this bank for 22 years. They love me. My boss loves me. And then like a month later, I find out they were bought by a bank in Alaska and everybody had to move to Alaska or not. Wow. It sometimes it's not about you. You know what I mean? It's just, but things change so fast now that you must have more than one thing you're able to do in order to support and that's why i think entrepreneurship is so important for women yes even yes. if it's just a side gig exactly something of your own exactly and to have it going get it going before you need it and if you don't have to segue to it good for you but if you do you want to be prepared right 
And it's also good financially because so many of us haven't really prepared properly for Correct. retirement. So it gives you a way to accelerate your savings. Correct. So tell us a little bit more about Covey Club. Yeah. Hear about that. So we're really excited. We just revamped. What was great about the pandemic is we kind of found ourselves in the pandemic because everybody had a chance to slow down. And I had a chance to pivot into learning. We always had learning. We always called ourselves a site for lifelong learners. But we were able to actually sort of move into the, le the learning area in terms of courses that we teach, just hours, one hour um, a day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every week. And then we have a coaching session called Positive Mornings on Monday mornings. Um, and uh, just because of the pandemic, you know, people wanted to connect. They wanted to learn. They wanted to use the time usefully. Um, we were able to kind of, you know, really dig in and bring in a whole bunch of um, new people and also find out what people really wanted from us, which is great. So we have our content, which is out there. It's free. It's a lot of essays somehow to, you know, all things related to, it's not necessarily age related, but it's temperament and concept related. Um, and then we have our courses, which we call Coffee and Conversation. And we have about 140 of those already logged. And then we teach every three days and it can be, Everything from, um, you know, how to deal with your teen and keep them from losing everything academically in the pandemic, which we did yesterday with a principal out in San Francisco, to how to write a resume in today's market, or how to, how to um, rework your LinkedIn, what should you be doing, or how to present yourself on Zoom. Or, I mean, we even did, at the height of the pandemic, we did sourdough bread baking. <laughs> I was like, damn it, we're going to do everything. <laughs> huh? It's very varied. Yes. And we try to do the wide range because, you know, for some people, we are both friendship and business. And because I believe that friendship and business mix as you get older, mm -hmm. I like to put those two together. Because I think sometimes, you know, what our, what our members have told us they come in for the learning and they stay for the friendship or they come in for the friendship and they stay for the self growth. And that's really what we're all about. We're about taking everybody, connecting them to people they would never have met because it's national and international um, and teaching them skills that they may need. And then once we're done with the pandemic, our events are fabulous. We took um, 60 women to a spa out in Arizona um, for two years in a row. That was fabulous. I was going to do a big event down here in New Orleans. Now that I've moved down here, of course, that was canceled because of the pandemic. Well, when and then we, I want to come. Oh, good. We we'll sign up, get on our newsletter, um, join the club, come, come be with us. I already us. joined your club. Oh, good. I didn't realize that. And um, it's really fun. It's really, those are really, really fun because we make them special. You will always learn something and you'll always come away with insights about yourself um, that are useful to you in your personal growth. And that's what's really special about what we do. And we are very warm and caring and loving. There are a lot of um, groups out there you can join that are super high powered. 
they're not, you're not, they're, for certain people, they're just not that friendly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can tell you I've been in some of them and I've left. You know, you have to be careful about what you say. You can't piss off the founder. Where oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You kidding? I don't think companies like that last. When they're not customer-centric and they're owner-centric, I mean, that's right. so old-fashioned. I don't see how you get away with that anymore. I, do, I think after the pandemic, it's going to be harder. But, you know, there's an allure of the mean girls. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sure. There are mean girl groups out there. So, but we're not one of them. We're the friendly girls. So <laughs> that's You're what's nice. Let all the loners in your group. Yeah. And we've got so many great people who you would never have met any other time. People with just amazing talent who are thoughtful and caring and, you know, very supportive of each other. And that's kind of what we do. So what inspired you to become an entrepreneur? Well, when they closed more, it was pretty clear to me. I mean, I'd run four magazines. Maria, I wasn't going to run another one. I wasn't going to chase down another one. And people had been trying to suck me up into management um, for a long time. And take you out of the creative? Yeah. And I'm really, I really like the customer. I really like, I like the the touchy feely part of this. I, that's kind of why I love the, the teaching element. I, I really like to get to know people. I'm a people junkie, you know, I'm an Uber extrovert. That's where I get my energy mm -hmm. and working with, you know, five people in management is not rewarding to me. And, um, so when the magazine folded, I had a bunch of readers who came to me on my social media and said, you know, do something else for us. We're mad. And I said, well, I've never done this before, but will you, t you know, I'm a good researcher. So I made up a, I made up a survey and I said, will you take this survey? And 627 of them took a 54 question survey to the wow. end. That's and I mapped out what they said and I started there. I had no idea what I was doing. I've been a corporate cog my whole life and I stumbled. Look, I, you know, the first few months you're going to laugh. I thought I was going to make a magazine every week oh, with original really? content. That's what I thought I was doing. <laughs> That's I mean, a lot. You need a big staff for that. Oh my God. It's just completely stupid. I mean, even though it's digital, I mean, it just the whole thing was, but whatever I had to prove to myself that you couldn't make money that way. And I did, <laughs> I did prove to myself there was no way to make money that way. And, um, you know, I had a hundred testers and they loved it. They thought it was great. And when I said, well, how much would you pay for this? Cause people had told me no one would pay for content, but I thought if I made better content that maybe they would pay for it. And they said they paid $2 cause that's what they pay for their Oprah magazine. Oh and I was God. like, oh my God. I can't compete. Well, you know with that they don't make their money. No, they make it on advertising. Right. Yeah. Yes. And all that other stuff. So I was, you know, I was barking up the wrong tree. So I always knew the name of Covey was always Covey Club. I just knew it was a club, but I didn't really know what that meant. And so I said, okay, well, let me explore the club part about this. What the heck does that mean? And I just started pushing off into that area, making it up as I went. And that that is really what the success has been, is the 
the club part of it, the intimate engagement, the really getting to know each other, um, the sharing, the deep sharing that we do. And um, that's the uniqueness of what we do. I still that's have content. It's, it's still original. Mm -hmm. um, but that, it's true. You really, there's just too much content out there, no matter how good it is, you know, unless you're going to be the New York Times or, you know, the, or the New Yorker, you're not you're not going to get, you're not going to get people to pay you for it. So that's okay. I learned that. And um, now what's great is this is going to be our year, hopefully, as we get out of Covey, uh, Covey, out of COVID. That's so funny, COVID Covey. <laughs> um, hopefully our events can come back because the, um, the events were really, really fun. And when you really get to what's nice now is you get to know people virtually and then when you get to meet them, it's going to be really, really, really fun. I am definitely so, to your next. Yay, come. Well, I'm planning. We're trying to plan our, uh, our spa trip in November. We're holding, um, we're trying to work it out for um, Veterans Day weekend, which is November 11, 12, 13. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully... We're looking at the place we had gone last time, though it looks like it might have been bought and sold in the process, so we're not sure. But we'll find another place if that's not it. Um, and I'm gonna try to bring 100 people this time, that's my goal. Okay, well I'm there. Yeah, and it's so, really, really fun. That is so wonderful to hear about what you've done and, and your success and being an entrepreneur, but I'm gonna kind of change gears sure. for a minute and ask you, about being a woman over 50 mm -hmm. and you know what did you discover about it what's the best thing you found about being this age can i use a curse word yes if you need to oh well it's the fuck you 50s that's what's great <laughs> that's what's great it's i spent my whole life i'm a pleaser i spent my whole life you know i remember you know on my 20s in the writer's room at vogue wondering why people were so mean or why they didn't talk to me in the elevators or what, you know, it was all about what did I do? What did I say? What? And now, you know, you realize it had nothing to do with you. It had to do with them. Like, you know, you weren't some bad person. It was just that they were all wrapped up in their crap or they were jealous or whatever. They didn't like the shoes you were wearing. They weren't going to talk to you. So whatever. <laughs> talk about mean girls. Oh, they, well, they were the super mean girls. Right. And, um, when you get to your 50s, it's such a relief. And I, and I really do believe it's about mortality. Is You look down the road and you go, okay, I'm ha look, if I live to 100, I'm halfway there. And do I want to spend the next half of my life worrying about what people think about me? And you're like, no, I'm not going to waste my time on that. Like, I got a lot to do. And people so you're really thinking about you like you think. Pardon me? People aren't really thinking about no. you think, you know, no. you, in your twenties, no. you, you're so concerned with what everybody thinks about you. And, that, and they're really not. <laughs> they're really not thinking about you. <laughs> right. There was, there was that book. Remember that book? I'm okay. You're okay. Sure. I feel like when you get to your fifties, you're, you're at the point of, you know, I'm okay. They're not okay. And fuck them anyway. You know, yeah. The problem is you can go too far with that. And you've seen the cranky old lady kind of thing where they're just out of control and they're just going to do their thing. So you have to be really careful. 
you feel so free and you feel so um, liberated by not worrying about what other people think that you can go too far and become a cranky know-it-all. And you wouldn't I feel be like right. I got kinder though with age, even though I don't care what people think, and I really don't. That's interesting. But I, I'm could be mean in the past, you know. Like oh, really? That's interesting. Talking to um, people like customer service people and stuff like that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, I, I could get mean and blunt, but um, right. I right. got, you know, I try not to do that anymore. I try to be kinder to people and, you know, not get taken away with you know, anger and stuff. So well, I think we learn how to modulate, right? Yeah. We know how to modulate. And we've also been in the other end of it. So we know what that's like and we can put ourselves in the other person's shoes. Sure. And, you know, it's not nice to not be nice to people who can't, you know, they can't give it back, you know? Right. You know, you have to be careful careful how you are with people so i think that that's i've been lucky that that's happened for me i mean that's i'm not i was mostly a kind person it's just when anger took me over that i kind of lost it but, but that's good um, that you notice that and that you that you understand that that's sure. really good so is there anybody over 50 that inspires you well, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, you know, fabulous women. I mean, I, I meet only people, need <laughs> pardon me? We only need one. Only need one. Well, tell us about Obama. I mean, you tried. Well, she was amazing. I have to say, um, you know, Michelle Obama had sold so many covers for us when I was running more. I gave her her first national cover. I actually put her on the cover before she was first lady. And um, I tell you, I was really concerned when I saw the horrible racist reaction by some of the readers that they were not. Yeah, it was really. And here is a very, I thought, enlightened magazine that was educated people and that you wouldn't have believed what came back um horrendous awful i mean oh i, I went to my circulation person and you know of course they would never do this but i was like can i cancel some people's subscriptions because they're just so horrible they shouldn't be able to have my magazine <laughs> it's like no you're not allowed to do that it's like no, you can't discriminate no but i mean just racist terrible projecting I was sure he would never win because I thought when I saw that, that I was, was sure our October issue. Either, to tell you the truth. Pardon? I thought he wouldn't win either. I just, when I saw that though, I'll tell you, I was like, there's all this, these people who are not saying it out loud, but here it is in the emails and here it is in letters. And anyway, um, so she ended up being not at that point, but later on, of course, she was a bestseller for us. Um, and, um, by the time it got to the fourth cover, I think it's the fourth or the third, I can't remember which one. Um, but I was like, oh, I don't want to do just the same old interview again. You know, you always have to do something different or it's boring. And, um, so I went to her communications person who lucky for me came out of the beauty business and I had been a beauty editor for a long time and she had worked at Lauder. We didn't know each other then, but she'd heard about me. And I was one of the few to really be honest, nice people in my industry. 
And that was one of the reasons why I left Vogue is I was told I was too nice. I couldn't make it there. And, um, and that was hurtful. Nine years, you said? That was hurtful. Yeah, nine years. Yeah, but it was hurtful to be told, you know, you're never going to make it here. And I was like, well, thanks. Um, and I made my way being myself. I had to figure that out. Um, but what was funny is, so it was one of her, her new comms person and I had to come up with something new. And so I thought I was courting her. Turns out she told me a, like a year later that she was courting me because she wanted to do some interesting things with Mrs. Obama. And I said to her, I said, I want to do something different. I want to do some crazy things. And I was like, this girl's never going to go for this. She like, you know, she's got to protect this woman. And, um, she said, well, try them on me. And I was like, ah, I like him. Like, we're just getting to know each other. So I put this out there yet. I had to, cause we had to get this going. And I said, what if she was, um, a guest editor? And of course, you know, some guest editors are phony baloney. They don't do anything. But Mrs. Obama, she does, she's not like that. She was, she, if you, she's going to sign up for something, she'll do, she really does it. Mm-hmm. And this girl said, MC Gonzalez said, that's a great idea. Should I just, I had that on my list as ideas. And I thought, she's like, they're going to go back and they're going to talk about it. And everybody's going to say, are you kidding me? This woman doesn't have the time to do that for more magazine. So I'm on my way back on the train. I call my publisher, who's a big mouth. And I said to her, do not tell anybody, but here's what I might've gotten. And she's like jumping out of her skin. I am so sure that I'm going to get back to New York and they're going to call me and say, yeah, well, you know, she's too busy, whatever. They went ahead with it and um, they did it all. And we spent a lot of time at the White House and I ended up traveling to um, Cambodia and Japan with Mrs. Obama to watch her launch her Let Girls Learn program. And, um, you know, she was delighted with the product in the end. And I mean, it was just the whole thing was amazing. And we had the president write a personal essay and it was like the best selling magazine we ever did. And we made history because no sitting first lady had ever done that. That's not what we had set out to do, but halfway through it, my PR guy goes, has anybody ever done this with a sitting first lady? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you go find out? (laughs) And it turned out that no, no one had ever done it. And uh, so we made history. It was a lot of fun. And she was just a delight. Amazing work. I mean, buttoned up, you know, because, you know, we planned, you know, we had a tiny staff. We didn't have any money to throw at this. But what we did is we um, we just changed everything around and said, you know, who knows what it's like working with the White House, right? It could have been a disaster. It could have been a hundred back and forths over every page. I mean, you just don't know what you're getting into. So we made everybody stay, you know, they couldn't take a vacation until this was put to bed in June. And we, you know, we just all hands on deck for like six months. We were done like a month early because they were so buttoned up and so professional that they knew what they wanted and they would come back with a couple of changes and, and then we were off, you know, we were off and done. So the whole thing was absolutely amazing. And she's just a lovely, lovely, very, very brilliant and, and, and meaningful person. And that's why, you know, people love her. She really, she's so incredibly grounded. Like, you know, so many interviews I did. I remember one one interview at the White House with her. 
at the end, she was going through pictures. We were doing a whole picture album of her favorite photos um, for being first lady. And I finally said to her at the end, I said, I just got to ask you a question. Like, how are you like so grounded? Like, how do you, and she said this to me, and it's interesting after this year we've been through the last four years, she said, well, the interesting thing about the White House is whatever you are, when you come in here, it makes you more of that. Wow, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, that was not only true for them, but it was true for the people who followed, right? It magnifies whatever you are. That's and yeah, it was really very interesting. And um, just a, you know, terrific person. Her staff was professional, amazing. MC and I are good friends. Um, you know, Tina Chen was amazing. She's a friend. I mean, just really fantastic. Fantastic people, hard workers, people with good hearts. It was a joy to be with them. And um, it was a learning experience for me. I'm a meditator. So the highlight of going to shoot the cover was meditating in the map room where the war, World War II was mapped out and, and watched by uh, various presidents. And I meditated in that room all by myself. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, it was totally cool. meditated in the White House map room. Meditated. That be an essay on itself. Oh, right. You know, I never thought about that. But I, I have a habit of trying to find interesting places to go meditate. And, well, um, that certainly is. I'm surprised you were able to relax <laughs> enough to meditate. Yeah, 20 minutes. <laughs> so um, if somebody wants to join your club, how do they do that? So they come to CoveyClub.com. It's a website. They go to the join page. We are running a subscription. Um, uh, we're having a you know subscription drive now until Valentine's Day. And we're offering 15% off our Nest with Covey, which is our basic subscription. And how do you spell it? Uh, C-O-V-E-Y club.com. Covey is a small group of birds. I wanted it to be small and intimate as opposed to the giant, giant, you know, uh, you know, Boston Conference for Women, Massachusetts Conference for Women, Texas Conference for Women, which is 7,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. This is small. It's intimate. You'll get to know the people. Um, we have a few hundred people right now who are super active. We have a list with about 5,000 people who are moderately active. And um, it's really, it's a good time to join because um, before the events happen, because those will be limited in size. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then we're gonna do an event down here. Again, it all depends on how fast we all get vaccinated. And um, so, it's just, a, it's a lot of fun. I've made a lot of new friends. I mean, that is one of the other things about it is that as you get older, one of the hard things is making new friends. I mean, you no, kind of have your friends. Tell me that. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, you have your friends that you made, you know, in business and there's a handful of them. And then you have your friends you made when you're raising your kids. And then a lot of those go away when your kids go. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. I mean, like you're not in places anymore where you bump into people or get to know, you know, there's no public square. There's no, sure. you know, very few people are going to church or synagogue or the mosque or whatever. So where are you meeting people? 
you're not. You're not in PTA anymore. You're not in, you know, the the morning meetings anymore. Like, where are you meeting people? And if you're remote, you know, and we're all remote these days, how the hell do you meet people? And and the right and the caliber of people that are part of your group, I'm yes. sure is pretty high. So you're meeting not they're just great other women, but women that will help you set higher standards for yourself yes and they're all these all tend to be managerial ceo founder kind of people these are people who are interested in learning and advancing and can you know they feel like they have a voice on the world and um they are not done my mantra is it ain't over till you say it's over my mantra is make your next act your best act Oh, I like that. I like that. That's, that's a good actually one. That's my group um, kind of tagline. That's cute. But it is like that. And I, you know, what makes me really feel sorry is the people who don't feel that way. And um, there are a lot of people who don't. And, you know, I hope that some people who maybe feel stuck or like they're done, but they don't want to be done, um, will find us and find the, you know, inspiration and encouragement. I also have a, um, a podcast, which is, we're about 100,000 downloads almost, which is called Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. And it's inspiration and tips and tricks for reinvention. Because reinvention, it can be big or small. Um, sometimes you're just reinventing, you know, a small part of your life. It could be you want to lose that baby weight finally, or you want to, you know, change the color of your hair or, or it might be, you want to quit your freaking job. <laughs> yeah. I've been so, reinventing every part of my life the last, really? The last couple of years. Yeah. I decided I was feeling like life was on the downward spiral and I was just going to get worse and there was nothing exciting. And then I decided to change the conversation in my head. And that's why I started the group. Good for you. I feel like there's other women like me. So I've been reading every single part of my life from health to mindset, to social, to health and physical things. So I think, um, so I'm there with you. I yeah. think that we need to reinvent ourselves as we get older because you know, we're a lot of us are empty nesters or yes. we're divorced or, you know, yes. we, maybe we're retired and we're bored and we don't know what to do with ourselves. So right. many of them just tell me how much they've been gaining weight and they can't lose it. I mean, there's yep. so many parts we need to kind of adjust. Yes. And the, the amazing thing is, is that when you put your head into the right mindset, and sometimes you need help with that. Sometimes you need an accountability group. Sometimes you need a mastermind. Sometimes you need, there's all kinds of services out there to help you get there. But it's amazing. It's just in your head. It's what you can do. It's what you wanna do. It's how you look at the world. It's how you view the world. And this is a great time of life. I mean, I've never been happier to really be honest. I mean. I love what I do every day. I get up, I'm excited about, by it, and I'm always meeting someone new. I'm always amazed by the people I meet. I'm, and these are normal, regular women like you. I'm like always amazed by how women do what they do and 
how they decide that they are going to be somebody different tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that is very inspirational because I think that, you know, especially as you get older, you know, look, there are a lot of friends who didn't get this far, right? There are people we know who have passed away before this age. And I just feel every day is gravy here. You know, I mean, especially in this crazy pandemic, every day is gravy. You've got to be, say to yourself, every single day is a gift. What am I doing with this day? How am I going to live it to the fullest? And whatever that means to you, you can't waste it. There are thousands and thousands of people who would give anything to be in your spot right now who are no longer around. Yeah, you're right. And it starts to happen at this age. Yeah. And um, so I'm just grateful. I'm really grateful. And I'm delighted that people like you are doing this too, because I think there's a need, there needs to be a groundswell. And we need to gather all those women who feel stuck or who feel negative about where they are and like turn them around, the you know? Yeah. You know, we could band together. We're one of yeah. the biggest groups in the world, and we need to use our numbers to affect change in the world. And we do. I mean, you know, that's what's good. I think a lot of people have realized that. And there's, look, there's a lot that can be done right now. And we can all help each other. And we can help the world. And we know how. We mm -hmm. have the ability. We have the, you know, we have the know-how. And what's really great is what's so wonderful now is that everybody has your, um, the expertise. It's no longer, you remember when you're in your twenties and you're like, well, how do I do that? Or I don't, you know, I got to find somebody. I'm not quite sure how to do that. Now all of your friends know how to do things. Mm -hmm. And so you can call on your friends for stuff that you don't know, but they know, they know how to do it already. You don't have to start all over with everything. Everybody is an expert by this point in something. Yeah, we all got our 10,000 hours in. Yeah, so that's great, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's why you can leap ahead. And that's why you can move faster at this age. Absolutely. Leslie, I want to thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Great, delighted. So fabulous. I really enjoyed speaking with you and enjoyed hearing about what you're doing. And I'm pretty sure I joined, but if I didn't, I'm going to be joining right now. Oh, good. Take a look and let's make sure you're all in because it's really fun. It would be fun to have you in there. Absolutely. Well, All thank right. you, and I want you to have a wonderful day. Great, I will. Thank you.